You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant. We're an evangelical covenant church located outside of Ellsworth in western Wisconsin. I'm Todd Speaker, the pastor here, and you can learn more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. Well, let's uh, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're, we're in Ephesians 6, and if you've been with us this summer, uh, the last few weeks anyway, you might get tired of turning that page. Maybe uh, that page of your Bible is starting to fall open easier because we've been in Ephesians 6 forever. Uh, but every time I come back to this, uh, this chapter of the Bible, there's just like one more thing that I think uh, God wants us to look at. And I know for me, it, it's been... Uh, it's been this moment where I wake up and I read it on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, and God is, is working on me. And I see my own lack. I see myself uh, reflected in this mirror, and I say, oh, maybe we should study this one one more time. So we're going to look at Ephesians 6 uh, in, in just a moment, so you can go ahead and, and turn there. Uh, I encourage you, if you've missed any of our services, to, to go back and look through some of the, some of the things that we, we've explored in this passage, because it's incredibly important, and I think it's incredibly, um, really the whole book of Ephesians, but Ephesians 6 is just, it's incredibly um, relevant uh, to the days uh, that we're in today, to the times that we're, we're going through, to when life sometimes feels like a battle, <laughs> to when uh, even just normal, everyday, regular things like growing to the grocery store, growing to the, going to the grocery store, require you to take extra thought and precaution, and nothing can be done without thinking. Life is a battle, is what Ephesians 6 says, and, and I found great comfort in that. Uh, because it's lined up with how my life these last few months has felt like a battle. Um, so go ahead and turn there. So as some of you know, I was delighted last week to go uh, to Colorado with my, my little boy Foster over there in the, in the Pokemon hat. And we had just an awesome time last week. We drove all the way out to Colorado Springs where I grew up. And all the way back, we, we drove out in one day. And as we're driving out there, uh, and it went really well, so thank you, everybody that prayed. Um, he, he deserves a medal. Like, I have never been, when I was his age, I was a terror in the car. So, and so you see, that, that's how he did it. He was focused. So, um, but seriously, he did amazing. And, and so we're driving through Nebraska, and it reminded me of one of the first uh, times, one of the first few times I've made this trip. So uh, those of you that, that know a little bit of, of my story, Aaron and I um, went to college together in Chicago, and we were dating the whole time we were in Chicago. And how every school year would end is I would, Aaron would hop in the passenger seat of my beautiful, wonderful, best car ever, 1999 white Ford Ranger pickup truck. There will never be another car like it. And we'd throw all of her stuff and all of my stuff in the back of that truck, and we'd drive from Chicago to Red Wing, where Aaron grew up, and we would, I'd, I'd drop Aaron off, and the next day or the day after, I would then take all of my stuff all the way back to Colorado. It's, uh, I was telling people it is, according to MapQuest, which I used at the time, because I've never been good with directions, it's almost exactly 1,000 miles from Aaron's front door and my front door uh, as, as a kid. And so I'll never forget, one of the times I was driving down, and you have to go through Nebraska, and Nebraska is just a straight line. And so we're driving down the straight line, and it's just me and a bunch of my stuff in the back of the car, and I'm in the passing lane, and in the right lane, there's a, a, Jeep, a Jeep Cherokee. You know those Jeep Grand Cherokees, like the late 90s Jeep Grand Cherokees? Yeah, so it's, it's driving. 
and <clears throat> I'm, I'm heading down the road, and, and all of a sudden, um, he starts to drift a little bit. And you know when you're on a long car ride and you see somebody drifting a little bit, and you start to get a little worried because I think he's probably falling asleep a little bit at the wheel. And I was a little concerned, so I backed off a little bit. And, and suddenly he, he drifts and he hits the rumble strip. And, uh, and I witnessed the worst car accident I'd ever seen before. Uh, he hit that rumble strip. And if you've ever been, if you've ever seen this happen, you know, he evidently woke up and panicked. And so pulled his wheel to the left and, and we're going 75 miles an hour and, and he starts to spin this way. And then of course he's like, oh no, what am I going to do? So he whipped it the other way to the right. And, and you know, those Jeep Grand Cherokees, they're top heavy or they're big, big profile. And this vehicle starts to spin down the road. And it was, I've never you know, for me, I'm driving and time is just like slowing down and I'm like slowing down on the brake and afraid I'm going to hit him. And, and it's just rolling down the road. And, and finally it comes to a stop on the top of his vehicle and we pull over me and there's, you know, a few other people on the road and somebody goes over and is checking on him. I'm calling, uh, I'm calling 911 and, uh, the paramedics show up and they check on him and, and he's, he's unconscious, but they load him into the ambulance. And I still like to this day, don't know, uh, what happened to him. And I'm having to give the officer a story, you know, okay, what happened? Cause I was like right there. And, and so I tell him that story and it's just, it's always stuck with me. And for the rest of that drive, which from that point was about 10 hours, I just gripped my steering wheel for dear life. You know, when I got home, my hands hurt from how hard I was holding onto that steering wheel. I did not need a, an energy drink to keep awake that time back. Uh, but, it, but it's always stuck with me. And every time I drive on that is how two like split second overreactions can cause just tremendous damage, right? Sometimes our, our reactions in the moment. And for him, he was in that moment where he was afraid he was going to crash. And so he just, he reacted, right? And, and all it takes, I think about that moment often, how it wasn't the fact that he was dozing at the wheel that caused the accident completely. You know, it wasn't um, uh, the wake up strips fault for the crash, but, but his drowsy overreaction to it. And maybe had he just overreacted one way and not the other way, uh, it wouldn't have been the same too. And, and so it's just been on my mind. And, and it's been on my mind especially because we're living through a time of like the whole world is like hitting the rumble strip. Like every morning you wake up and you like turn on the TV and you're like, we hit the rumble strip again and everybody's reacting, right? Uh, nobody's even thinking. It's everybody wakes up and they're like, okay, I've got to react to whatever it is that happened. Uh, my friend said this, uh, this thing happened on the news. My, my boss said this weird comment. I don't like it. And we all just like instantly feel like we have to have to react and react and react uh, because we're living through a time of, of kind of significant world change. Like really we, we are, um, the life and what it's like has changed so much in our short lifetimes that like our grandparents would not, they wouldn't even know what to think about that. You know, for so long, everybody's life was kind of the same and, and the way that you spent your time, the way that you traveled, the things that you did for fun, uh, everything was just so much more stable. And so now we're in the middle of this time of change, right? Whether it's our communication technology or, or so many other things. 
and it's just and it's just exploding. And in these times of change, people get anxious, and when people are anxious, like we're primed to react, you know, because we're we're flesh and blood people. We're we're kind of animals too, right? And so when we're not doing well, when we're anxious, we're like ready to to fight, to to flee. Or to freeze, you know, and, and maybe you, you fall into one of those categories more than others. But, but I just feel like we're, we're driving down the road at 75 miles an hour and, and we're trying to stay on the road. And, and as the church, the question that we should be asking is, is how do we stay on the road when everybody else is, is reacting and reacting and counter-reacting? And so one person does that one thing and so we think, well, we got to be on the other side of the boat or, 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 or whatever. Uh, and so the question is, you know, which side do we choose, you know, when, when these things happen, and I don't care what it is, whether it's conflict in your family or in the news or in the world or like whatever, uh, or here at church, we all feel like we've got to, got to take, take a side. You know, do we fight? Do we run away? Do we hide? Uh, you know, life is a battle. So how do we make sure as Christians that our reactions are correct, that they're not overreactions, right? That we're not grabbing the wheel and, and whipping it as hard as we can in one direction. How do we Stand up when it's time to stand up and sit down when it's time to sit down and, and fight the right battles, but not the wrong ones. Well, well, Paul, uh, and, and this is the first real pastory thing that I'll say today. Uh, Paul, uh, believe it or not, wrote to a group of people uh, that we talk about as the Ephesians, but some early Christians, and they were living through their own time of unprecedented change. Uh, fortunately for us, because we're going through some of the things that we're, we're going through right now, we're actually much better able to read Ephesians well because we know what it's like when the, the world is changing and the ground doesn't seem solid and we don't know how to react uh, because for the first church, every person in the first church, uh, just for, because they believed in who Jesus was, decided to take their life and just flip it completely upside down. Uh, right? Uh, they embraced a belief system that they didn't grow up with, that grandma and grandpa didn't have uh, that was different from their parents, their neighbors, their siblings, and that really had never been practiced or followed before them. The first people to read Ephesians, when you hold uh, the New Testament in your hands and you read Ephesians and really all the other letters, remember that the people reading this did not grow up with these ideas. They grew up with very different ideas and their whole world is just all over the place. Uh, because in the early church, to embrace Jesus meant to let go of the very fabric of society uh, because your faith was not like today where you can kind of put your faith in a box over here and just live a normal life over here. And in the, in the early world, the ancient world, there was no separating uh, God from your business. There was no separating theology from your entertainment. In fact, most of your entertainment was theological. <laughs> uh, so, so we've been looking at this, this picture uh, and in Ephesians 6, Paul is painting a picture of this reality, this kind of world uh, that the Ephesians are trying to live in. And, and he talks about how, um, right, uh, the, the point is that, that evil has lost. That's the thing we talked about a few weeks ago. Evil lost, good triumphs in the end. Uh, but the key is for Christians, for the church, for the body of Christ together, all of us, is that we stay standing. So, so that's the, the win condition is stay standing, be strong. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about putting on God's own armor so that we might be ready to stand together as the body of Christ. So we're going to start. I'm not going to read this whole section again because you've heard it a few times. We're just going to start in verse 18. Uh, so 6, 18. And this is what Paul says. So he's already said, be strong, remain standing, y'all. He said, 
Y'all put on God's own armor so that you'll be ready together no matter what happens. And then he finishes with this. And again, we talked about this two weeks ago. Every, almost every time uh, the New Testament letter is talking to somebody, it's not saying you, it's saying y'all. So, so I'll keep that. So it says this. Uh, y'all pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Uh, so Paul's painted this picture, right? You're a body, you're in the middle of a battle, you're, you're wearing armor, and now that you've done the preparation that you need to do, uh, if you want to stand till the end, make sure that you're praying. Paul says, pray. Uh, he says, pray in, in the spirit. And, and not to go too far down this line, you know, some people think this just means like, like speaking in tongues or something, but it's probably a lot broader that, than that. It's a conversation with God. Paul says, be praying in connection with the Holy Spirit, walking in step with what God is doing, listening for his voice. This isn't just like sometimes when I pray um, and I have kind of certain prayers that I say and I don't even realize until I've said them a thousand times. Like I pray the same prayer with Foster every night before we go to bed. Um, and that's great, but that's not, a, that's not a back and forth thing, right? I've got to spend some time praying. We all do where we, we actually stop talking. That's easier for some of us than others. And start listening. Uh, so that's praying in the Spirit, a back and forth conversation. And it feels awkward at first to spend time in silence because we're not used to it. But it's really important because how is God ever going to get a word in edgewise if we're just throwing request after request? I mean, he continues. Uh, so, so the question is this if you want to respond well, you pray. Where do you pray? In the Spirit. Perfect. Uh, next, the question is, how or uh, when do you pray? Paul says, at all times, uh, and this is a constant reminder in the New Testament, to pray without ceasing, uh, to let prayer be such a part of your life that your daily life is like a conversation with God. So at, at all times, and, and when else? On, and in response to every occasion. Uh, so, so what Paul is saying here is you're in this conversation with God, in the Spirit, you're doing it all the time as you walk down the road. And then when stuff happens, uh, when, it, when a, a day comes up that's surprising, when an event happens in your life, when you come across an occasion, your response ought to be to pray. He continues. He says, uh, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion uh, while staying alert and paying attention. Be persistent in your prayers. For who? For, for believers everywhere. For, for the other people, right? In Paul's day, all the other people that are living this crazy, upside-down, shook-up life like you are uh, because they're, they're, they're the believers everywhere. So, so I don't know about you, um, but and, and this is you know confession time as, as a pastor. I often speak in such a way, and, and I often see prayer as the last Thing I can do. I don't know if anybody else falls into that category, like like me. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll be meeting with somebody, and they'll be they'll be going through something or whatever, and I'll be like, well, you know, did you did you try this or or you know, have you how's that appointment going or or whatever? And we get to the end of the story and we say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. You know, I, I studied for the test. Uh, for me, you know, I prepared uh, my sermon for Sunday or I did my job. I, I wrote my response email to that thing somebody, somebody asked me. I, I saw the doctor. I scheduled the meeting. I planned the trip. Now all I can do 
is pray. And so we say, God, here's my plans, here's my ideas, here's my occasion. Now would you bless it? And, and I don't know about you, but I've prayed prayers like that, right? God, uh, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to school next week. I, these are the precautions I'm taking or whatever. These are the plans that I'm making. Lord, help it to go well. And those are good prayers to pray. But the problem is when that's, that's the only prayer, right? When we get into this mindset, and, and I put, find myself in here all the time, right? Uh, this mindset that says our requests are kind of laundry lists of the problems. We pray when stuff doesn't go well or when we're concerned. But they usually amount to, right? Lord, now that I've made my choices reacted to the event or made my plans, help them to work out. Or, and, and I pray these kind of prayers all the time. I don't know about you guys. Or, Lord, I really screwed that up. That didn't go well. I shouldn't have said that or done that. Would you please fix it? Lord, I didn't study enough for my test. And now that I'm sitting here with the sheet of paper in front of me, I need you to, to by your Holy Spirit, give me the answers to these, to these questions, right? Uh, in, in our highly anxious time, in our rumble strip time, uh, we, we act and react first, and then we pray later. But Paul tells them to pray not as a blessing over the decisions they've already made or a desperate last-minute attempt to solve the problem, but as the first step at all times, on all occasions. What Paul is saying is this, that unceasing prayer, a life of prayer, responding in prayer, is it's the antidote to that reactive thing. It slows us down from whipping the wheel in one direction or the other. It's the antidote, I think, to our highly anxious times because it takes our posture from kind of being that scared animal, ready to, to make a move or run or whatever, to constantly reacting. And it, it gets us to start reacting and listening for God's quiet voice. Instead of reacting out of our own uncontrolled emotions, our unexamined issues, we react to his voice. And so, so what Paul is telling me, I think, and what I've been reading this week and what God's been laying just so heavy on my on my head and what he's trying to tell the Ephesians is this that when you hit those rumble strips in life and and hopefully all the time but when you hit those rumble strips when you want to respond when you want to react when you want to make that awesome rebuttal that's just going to really put that person in their place pray first react by listening when that that politician says something that you like or don't like pray first before you respond. When you read the news, pray. When you hear about that person that I can't believe they did that thing, pray. And even, even for them, when that coworker says that thing that you know what they're trying to say and it sounds nice, but you know it's not, stop. Pray. Unceasing prayer keeps us responding to God instead of reacting to events. And if you want to know what it looks like in someone's life, we can read uh, the next few lines because if you remember, Paul, the author of Ephesians, inspired, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, believe it or not, he's writing this letter from prison, from jail. He's under house arrest at, at this moment. And so, uh, and, and he's coming closer and closer to his own execution. Uh, he's coming closer and closer to trouble. Paul is praying under guard, and he's writing this. And he says, so Paul says, oh, by the way, would you guys pray for me too? 
And, and Paul's prayer request sounds different than any prayer request I've ever given somebody else. It sounds different than the kinds of prayer requests I get from other people too. He says this in verse 19. Paul says, this is how I want you to pray for me. He says, and would you pray for me? So pray constantly, every event, whatever, but also pray for me, your friend Paul. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Sounds like a pretty normal prayer. And sometimes in scripture, what's more amazing is what's not written, right? What doesn't Paul pray for? He doesn't pray for his his guards to have heart attacks so he he can escape jail. He doesn't pray for rescue. He doesn't pray for a jailbreak. He doesn't pray for a favorable court decision or a good judge to see his side. No, the thing is, Paul has been practicing what he preaches. He's been praying in the spirit without ceasing his whole, uh, the last uh, several years of his life. And you can see the evidence and the fact that when he asks somebody to pray for him, he's asking for them to come to God with what God wants to do in him. You can see the evidence in the fact that even though everything in his life is upside down, even though he's hitting rumble strips and speed bumps and going off the world, he's off the road, he's not worried about his trial, he's not worried about his imprisonment, he's not worried about what the next week holds. All he wants is the courage to keep following God's mission where he is. He doesn't pray God break the chains, but instead that he would have what he needs to keep going. And, and Paul's perspective doesn't come about because he's Superman or like this amazing hero person and stuff. Uh, it's not that he's just stronger or better or more moral than you and me. It's because he knows God well, because he's had an opportunity to listen, to connect with, with who God is. And he knows uh, that God's mission, what God cares about, and that God's plans and hopes are are better than anything he could imagine. And they've actually become his. He trusts God with his life and only asks for prayer that he might follow faithfully. Because unceasing prayer, when you live a life of unceasing prayer, it keeps you responding to God instead of reacting to events. We're invited to react to the chaos of our world. We're invited to react to the fears that are in our hearts, to the other emotions that we're dealing with, to the frustration, to the anger, to the loss, to the the things that we're experiencing, those real feelings. We're invited to react to those, not by pulling on the wheel as hard as we can, not by offering a rebuttal or taking a side or sticking our heads in the sand and pretending that everything's fine. Paul doesn't say that. He doesn't say pretend, pretend everything's great, but instead to react by coming to God at all times, on every occasion, not turning to faith as a way to shut out the events of the world and, and go to sleep, but as a starting point for how we might respond to what God has to say to us in them. Prayer is connected to our world. And so when we encounter people, when we encounter surprises, when we encounter events, we turn to those and ask God how we might be faithful in them. May we pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. May we stay alert and be persistent in our prayers for believers everywhere. All life is to be prayed. And when we pray without ceasing, 
We find ourselves responding to God when others are reacting to events. And so if, if you want to start that today, if you want a reminder of that, if you want to come back to that way of life, because we all forget, we all move forward, we all make our own plans and go forward. If you want a, an opportunity to come back to that way of life, if you've never lived that way, um, <clears throat> the first prayer to pray is, is a prayer like this. We, we close our eyes, we bow our heads, we say, God, I don't have what I need to solve the problems in myself, in my heart, in my community, in the lives of others. I, I don't have what it takes. I don't know what's best for myself, much less everybody else. We say, God, I don't have what, what we need. Sometimes uh, in the church we say, God, I'm a sinner. That's another way of saying that. And we say, for your sake, for the sake of your son, and because of his death and resurrection, save me. Make me new. By the power of your Holy Spirit, make me new. And so if you pray that prayer, that's, that's that great first prayer. And when you start with that, you can spend the rest of your life being called back to that point, to that life, to that connection of prayer in that moment. That's where you start. So don't stop praying. So I'm going to give us all an opportunity to pray that. Would you pray with me right now? Lord God, I don't have it figured out. I don't have enough. I don't know the answer. I can't solve my own problems, much less solve somebody else's. I am a sinner. For the sake of your son, Jesus, forgive me, set me free, and give me the promise of eternal life. By your Holy Spirit, make me new. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.